The name's Bond. James Bond. What do you think you're doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir. Grow up, 007. <laughs> this never happened to the other fellow. I'm the man. Every penny of it. So you put your money where your mouth is. Oh, that's quite a nice little nothing you're almost wearing. I approve. I'll do anything for a woman with a knife. Shocking, positively shocking. You get your clothes on, I'll buy you a nice train. <laughs> it is Double Oz 7, your favorite James Bond podcast that delivers quality content at least once a year. And then we fill it out 11 other months of the year talking about Ben reading books. Because we are here for part three of Ben reading books, where we get to talk about the next three Ian Fleming novels that uh, Ben has read, starting with Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and The Diamond Smugglers. Um, and we'll see if he can ever get to the James Bond ones. My name is Colin, and I still don't believe Ben can read. This episode is sponsored by Audible. <laughs> what? <laughs> Colin, true. Colin Very true. sitting on that for like... Hundred and twenty twenty minutes. <laughs> is that the? Is that, hang on. Is that the to keep up with the truth? Is that the woke intro now? Like if, if, if all our intros being censored? <laughs> it's it's just that it was slipped in. You already had the intro, and then it was. Just, <laughs> uh, and I don't think we decided an order, but I guess I was so second. Uh, I'm generally last, we? right? Because this is about me. So, oh, it's a vanity project, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, what was I even gonna? Oh, my name's Noah, and I am also a Canadian virgin who's looking for a real man to take me. Uh, sponsored by Audible. <laughs> <laughs> we got the episode title already, and my name is Ben. And good evening, Double Oz Seven listeners. As Ian Fleming once wrote in Goldfinger. Once is happenstance, twice is coincidence, three times it's enemy action. So let's hope discussing Goldfinger, Thunderball and The Spy Who Loved Me doesn't leave us feeling like we have been on the receiving end of enemy action. Sponsored by Audible. <laughs> That's uh, <laughs> thank, Thanks to our new spreads at chat.openai.com. I'm like, I wrote, write a comedic opening line for Ben to use on a James Bond podcast called Double Oz 7, talking about the Ian Fleming novels Goldfinger, Thunderball and The Spy Who Loved Me using quotes from these books. Technology. I'm getting, I'm getting lazy now. I just I need computers to write my introductions. Sponsored by Audible. We'll get to the, we'll get to the AI. <laughs> we I, we discovered this recently, and all our chat is right now is <laughs> create a dialogue with Shrek. They got double on seven with Hoot Gibson. <laughs> we'll we'll see how we go for time, but there's some quality episodes where Shrek just showed up as a guest on our show, and he's very friendly. He's always happy to see us. I think and I he think, wanted to be. He confessed his love for Jamie, and we called Jamie up. <laughs> I think. I think at the end of this episode, we need to save a moment to do it, and just do a fresh one where we just literally type something, you copy and paste, and we read it live. Yeah, we'll act it out. Done. Yes. But let's do the the boring books first. Yes. Yeah. So Ben also got all of his book reviews here from the same AI. So <laughs> don't judge him too much for his opinions. What if but, I could type uh, that in book review of the spy who loved me? It's a Go thing nowadays. It's a scandal at schools nowadays. Scandal. 
Are we doing Scandal? Oh, that's a show. It, it, it is a show. <laughs> you are right about that. <laughs> On oh, the television. Was there a question here, Colin, or were you still doing In your introduction? You, you two genuinely sound like an AI conversation right now. Scandal <laughs> is a show. Yes, Scandal yes, it is, is a TV show. You know what else it sounds like a Scandal? And I just want to correct myself. The last episode, I think I said uh, we'd only played that like whatever. We've now played that 437 times as we track towards 500. The Wiggles. You track towards 500. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Colin. I, th- I think we need to get Hoot Gibson's show theme song played as much as Die Another Day. Yeah, That's what we're the on real the road to 500 is. for Hoot. Did you listen to the last episode with the intro I put at the end of it where it's like, oh, well, we're moving along now, Hoot. Now we're sponsored by Chinchillas. <laughs> Not audible. It was sponsored by Chinchillas. Like, buy your Chinchillas and you will get your money back. Yeehaw. Most, most big podcasts are sponsored by Audible. We're sponsored by uh, Rista Blue Chinchillas. <laughs> we didn't even get nominated in the James Bond Community Podcast Awards or make the top 42 James uh, Bond we podcasts. Didn't, we didn't even... We, d- we didn't even get an Oscar. Didn't yeah. we do like some Christmas greeting for them too? Like they they had less than 20 people on there and we can't even make the list. Yeah. Well, what do you, well, I mean, now that we've mentioned Hoot Gibson, we're a shoe in for the award next year. I'm just saying that right now. <laughs> the Hoot Gibson podcast awards. Uh, <laughs> that's the category. Anyway, Ben. Colin. Uh, you have read the three um, lesser than books, maybe not the very, very le- least than, but the lesser than books. And, I'm very curious, just uh, your thoughts on how difficult it was to get through the three that you just got through. Um, I, I, I mean, I think going into all of these three, the only one that I kind of went into thinking, oh, this is apparently shit, is The Spy Who Loved Me. I, I mean, I think I'd heard you maybe talk about Goldfinger and Thunderball and the passes not being great, but it, I don't think it really registered. Um, and I think that they're slow. And, I mean, they're very similar to the movies. I mean, Thunderball for obvious reasons. But I think the thing with The Spy Who Loved Me, I'm, I'm intrigued to talk about that because, like, it's 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 odd. It, it's like, but I kind of knew what... And, but, like, my introduction in mine was basically like, oh, this book's shit. Enjoy it. Um, and then one of the... I think it might have been Thunderball. It was, the introduction in mine was uh, Michael G. Wilson and Barbara Broccoli. So, good for them. Um, but, yeah. I mean, they're not the best three. Spoiler alert, they're going to be ranked at the bottom three of my list uh, of the nine books I've read. But what will come out on top of these three? <laughs> Maybe you'll be surprised. But yeah, I mean, I, they're still entertaining. They're not terrible. But like, I mean, Goldfinger's long and it's just like, God, is anything going to happen in this book? Mm. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know how recently you reread them. No, I think uh, more recently. I reread them within the last two years, but... I think you were even more recently than that. I don't know. Did anything really change for your thoughts on any of these three books? I read them last year. Um, and my thoughts would have been fresher, but we are waiting for Ben. Um, but he got there. He got there. Uh, I'd say for Goldie and Thunderball, if anything, the one thing that went down, uh, the thing that changes, maybe they went down for me. I think... I've never loved the, the Goldfinger one, and I think, but I still had that element of oh, it's Goldfinger, even though it's the novel. That oh no, it must be better than I thought. And the older I get, the more I'm like Ben. Oh my, like you have your opinions, you got to own them for good or for bad. Um, and 
Yeah, the more I'm like, well, yeah, it's Goldfinger, but it, it's really not actually that great. And Thunderball is pretty similar to the movie in that it's quite a slog. Uh, so I think, if anything, they went down for me. Um, I have a complicated relationship with the spy who loved me because I, I, I do almost want that to be my sort of Diamonds Are Forever one, the one that, like, I really champion, but I just can't quite do it. Uh But every time I read that, I do get a, a, a slight appreciation for it, but it's also there's a lot of issues. And this is the one we've been hyping up for Ben's opinion, and he hasn't shared anything, so I, we don't know what he thinks about The Spy Love Me. Because um, I just finished it. I didn't really tell you guys anything, did I? Like, I told you no, sort of no, things about the other ones. I've read notes in my phone. I always write notes as I go along but, with it. Ah, it, uh, we'll get into it, but that's one where I read again and I'm like... Uh, in some ways it's gone down and in other ways I'm like well this is also quite hilarious that Ian Fleming wrote this and if, if you can't take he? it from that perspective yes yeah. or did he or was it Vivian Michelle who wrote it um <laughs> but if you take it from that sort of perspective and just take it for what it is I think you can enjoy it more Roger Moore yeah I I wonder how much uh expectations can kind of affect how well you like these books or not because i know especially the first time i read the spy who loved me i mean had such low expectations that i'm like but i was actually a lot better than i thought but like he said you know once you go in knowing ben's what you're dates. gonna get like like ben's dates and noah's lack thereof <laughs> uh my marriage <laughs> but uh uh yeah well let's start with thunderball uh this one of course i get not the backstory Oh yeah, Goldfinger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, yes, you're right. You know, you're correct. Ben, just ben, read them, ben read them in order, but you know, screw it. But but let, let's be honest. Now that uh, Ian Fleming's being censored, I don't think there's much left to talk about in Goldfinger. Um, yeah, we can talk about that at all. Do we? Do we want to briefly kind of talk about that because it is topical, and we're doing a book episode. Uh, should we spend five minutes on that or not? Yeah, let let's do it. I mean, yeah, they they talking about racism. What could go wrong? <laughs> I mean, they they've decided to re-release them <laughs> censored versions. Which I mean, I I can't really judge until I read them. Um, I know that Ben, you you said that you you Very like logical. the N word in your books. <laughs> you want more N words in your books? <laughs> I thought it was going to be called the N word who loved me. <laughs> <laughs> but like the first thing I thought about the when I saw that story was. <laughs> The, the nugget is loving me. <laughs> but uh, the first thing I thought about that was, you know, the spot, not the spot, let me live and let die probably could use some edits. And I, I think, I guess it all depends on what you're editing in them. If you're editing to remove, oh, this is misogyny. I was like, well, you've missed the point of the character. There is a context for that based on, you know, everything that happens in the early books. Uh, if you're just simply editing out words that maybe, were used too loosely. I mean, you don't have to edit it out every time the N-word is used, but there's certain times where maybe you can. And then Goldfinger, you know, I think was one of the other examples I thought about where it's like, yeah, maybe there's a way to clean this up a little bit. Um, a lot of people are very opposed to like any type of edits of anything. I know I always use the argument like George Lucas would uh, add the special editions of Star Wars. Be like, you can't do this to a classic movie. I'm like, well, find any classic novel that wasn't rewritten two or three times or even published two or three times with revisions. It's kind of a normal thing. I think this is just the fact that it's been so many decades. And I almost feel like if if you had done these edits maybe 
30 years ago, people wouldn't care. And maybe 30 years from now, people aren't going to care. But I mean, I'll kind of reserve judgment until I see what has all been taken out. But there definitely is some stuff in there where it's not going to change the the narrative of the story to clean up a few words here and there. Yeah, I, it's a, I mean, it's a much broader debate than James Bond. It's very topical because it also linked to James Bond or a whole Roald Dahl thing. Uh, I, I really don't have a concrete opinion on it. My mind goes back and forth and I can see both sides, uh, which sounds wishy-washy, but really that's kind of the way we should probably approach all issues in the world and no one seems to actually ever take both sides. Um, because I can see the argument, oh, well, like if you're offended by a few little words that like grow up a little bit and understand the context of when they were written and that you can learn from that, et cetera. Um, I saw, I totally understand that side of it. Uh, like they are a product of their time and we can look at them and say, okay, well now we're better than that. But on the other side, it's sometimes I think maybe this debate gets taken a little too seriously. It's like, get over it. Like, okay, they're going to, they're going to make it a bit more palatable for maybe a black person to enjoy this book. Mm. Okay. Like. And, and we should t take that uh, perspective that we are three white guys in their uh, almost 30s, 30s and 40s, um, that we we probably have a different perspective on it than other people uh, because we can read it and just be like, oh, yeah, okay. Um, but it's like sometimes I think these debates get a little too serious because it's like, oh, and they're erasing history, blah, blah. These books still exist, like, for frick's sake, I read half of them for free online that I found. Uh, I had, I do own copies. Uh, like, it, it's not this big deal sort of thing. Like, people get so up in arms about it. So I can see the issues of changing it, but it's like, also, if, if now a black person can enjoy live and let die a bit more, then sure. Uh, if we can get rid of certain lines, like the, there's one in Spy Love Me, the Ben Center shot off because it's pretty confronting. Uh then it does actually kind of make the the book more enjoyable because it doesn't stop you in your tracks and you don't have to send a picture to your friends saying, wow, this is crazy. Uh, so it's like, yeah, if, if they just change a little things that don't change the plot, like Colin said, then like, yeah, I, I can see both sides, but it's I also don't think it needs to be as big of a drama as it is and it's like okay they changed a few things to make it a bit better for people so what um yeah it's an iffy debate but it's like also just like who cares i the one that the thing i found interesting about it was the the Ian fleming foundation or whatever they're called said that the changes were actually submitted by ian fleming before his death that he had um <laughs> Had approved. They sat on it for sixty years. <laughs> no, but the, like there were other versions that have been released in a similar form because, like, he apparently was uncomfortable towards the end of his death of some of the use of like the N word and the language. So they suggested some edits, and I'll see if I can find the the press release that they did because they basically said, uh, like, "I know what you. I read this. It's not that he approved of changes. It it he uh, specific changes he approved of in the U.S. market for them to." adapt some of the yeah. language in there the was 60s something, there, there was something, yeah um look i'm more of the fence of like it what where does it stop like if you start doing this you know what's next 
and like I'm I'm on that page because like I get it. I understand. I understand how it can be perceived as offensive, but like no, you said it. It's you can't change what's happened. You can't change these exist. They were written. They exist. What good does it do to change it rather than just learn from it and not do it again? You, you know, like I mean, in in thirty years time. I always like to use this example, and it's probably a stupid one, but I'm Ben, I'm stupid. Like, in 20 years' time, podcasts could be most offensive things on the planet, but we're podcasting right now. We don't know what's going to be offensive in 20 years' time. Like, you know, it's kind of... We know what is offensive a couple years ago when, when Noah was, you know, <laughs> his I, I, In all seriousness, like, I would go back and 10, 10 years ago and listen to half the crap we did and be absolutely cringeworthy and offensive by the stuff we did. But, like, I mean, it's it, it, it's how it is. I, I mean, the, the versions I've got now have been edited to a point because... I had the old version with this, uh, Live and Let Die with the chapter with the M-word in it, which I've written on a fucking plane. Um, and then my version, now that I've got that chapter, is not called that anymore. It's called something else. Um, but, like, it's kind of like, okay, you, you you change the N-word, you change this. Like, do they change the way that Fleming makes black people talk in those books? I don't think they were then going to change the Korean stereotypes that we've got in in Goldfinger that we'll talk about the reference to women liking rape in the spy who loved me. Like again, where does it keep going? And it's just like, it's a product of its time. They're, they're putting, I think a little reference at the beginning, like, Oh, this is a product of the time, which I don't know. Like to, to me, it makes people stupid in the modern day. If somebody literally has to be like, Oh, why was this so racist? Oh, it was different back then. Oh, I need to be told that. Like I got this book knowing that it was written in the 50s and people were racist shitheads back then. I'm not sitting there going, well, that means I can be racist now. Like, I'm like, well, it was written in the 50s. Things were different back then. So I'm smart enough to know that. So I don't know why people need to be dumbed down to be told that now and we're going to change this to make it better for you so you're not racist. Like, I don't know. I'm, you know, I can, I can, again, I'm, I can understand I, both sides, but at the same time, I'm definitely more of the just leave it. It's, it's a product of its time. Learn from it and move on. Well, I mean... There's that disclaimer that plays before old movies or TV shows now where it's like, you know, this contains some sensitive content that some may find offensive. It is a product of his time and we do not endorse or promote this or whatever. And that's kind of the route that a lot of people go. I mean, Disney Plus uh, includes that on some of their material. But uh, but your point, Noah, about there, there are some people who may pick up Live and Let Die or Goldfinger or The Spy Who Loved Me and instantly be turned off and not bother to read the rest of them. And, you know, obviously you want to reach as wide of a market as possible. And the, the point about the, the the U.S. releases that, okay, well, we're going to change these. I mean, that that's something that's normal. So, again, if it is all for we want to try to reach the widest audience as long as they're not changing the narrative. And, and yeah, there are certain things that you can't change because it is part of the story. And, uh, you know, maybe the way that they make them talk, I mean, that's too big of an edit, you know, but... Uh, there are certain Hello, things my name is there. John. Would you like to come into my club in Harlem for a beverage? <laughs> yeah, you could throw an old buddy in there or something like that. Uh, instead of the N-word. But, but yeah, I mean, there, there are ways that you can do this. But I also do understand, like, this is a product of its time. That that's the other route that people take. But, I mean, these are books that were written decades and decades and decades ago. And I would hate the idea that, people would just immediately judge Ian Fleming and say he was a racist because some of the quote-unquote racist stuff in his books is there because that's the way the characters view it and not the way that Ian Fleming viewed it. I mean, Ian Fleming himself lived in Jamaica. You know, he he wasn't necessarily talking down on Jamaicans. 
he was writing about how other people talk down Jamaicans. And that's just sorry to jump in, Noah, but but that's a I think an important thing because you know as much as sometimes it's uncomfortable to read some of what is said in a modern day lens, you know it's it's I don't think you can paint something like the character of James Bond or that as as, as racist as such because again like I don't think James Bond's never James Bond I don't think ever utters the N word in Live and Let Die from Memory or any of the books, um, and it's just. You know, like it's 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 like how again, it's a wider debate. We're getting off topic. Get into the books. It's like it's how you will cancel a person because you know this is one thing they said in a tweet ten years ago. Like people can say things and do things, and it doesn't make them that person completely. We all say things we regret. We all say things in moments that doesn't define us as a person. Hello, Noah. Um, like. <laughs> Hello, all of us. But like, it's it's. It, I mean, again, where do you where do you draw the line to bring up that cliche? Because then it's kind of like, well, let's look at like certain artworks. You know, like there, there's a very famous painting that we have. We've got a replica in my parents' house. It's this painting called Chloe, and it's a painting of like it's a naked woman, and this woman is like fourteen years old. Like so, like this is a painting, a very famous naked. All makes sense now. Of a fourteen-year-old girl. So why isn't that being banned? That's a fourteen-year-old girl. Like, I mean, I, I love next that. Year, next, you're going to tell me they're going to cover up Michelangelo's doodle. But like, I mean, that <laughs> happens. Like, I mean, like, I don't know. It's I'm I'm definitely old man on porch. When's it going to change, you kids? You just you. Yeah, I mean, there is a there is that. Like, if you listen to our episode six years ago, there are some stuff that. Like we said or Eastern. <coughs> slut. <coughs> Sorry. Well, probably <coughs> most episodes there's something that we said that at the time was just like fine and then society moves on and we can listen yeah. back to them and go, oh my God, I used to say stuff like that. Uh like so there is that argument. Um but then there is the argument of it's also just entertainment. So it's just like Exactly. Yeah, uh, you're right. Like uh you're right that who how dumb do you need to be that uh you need to be told like uh that oh that's gonna make you racist by reading it. But also it's supposed to be fun. So it's like, okay, change it to make it more Racism's fun. Racism's fun. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I do like when, <laughs> No I do <laughs> See, that's gonna be something in six years. Colin's gonna listen back and like, oh, why did I say racism is fun? <laughs> Uh, as he leads like a black lives matter rally or something like that (laughs) i do like when colin said that disney has added uh disclaimers at the beginning of their shows i just like to think that every show begins with zoran industries is not a uh, related to the actual company zoran in every show uh but yeah uh, it's interesting debate anyway um and it will be interesting to see what they actually do change. But at the end of the day, just like who cares the, is my. Did you? I just want to say the covers of them look beautiful. Oh yeah, I. Oh, I was going to say they look. Oh, you thought they looked awful? Oh, no, 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 I, I think like, they're amazing. I think they used AI to make them. They look like they were <laughs> well, made in, for, for high school. Oh, novel. I disagree. I they don't wanna... even like the scorpion diamonds are for I everyone. Think awesome. That was one of the better ones, but I I think they're the most ugly of all the books. I'd buy them. Honor Majesty's Secret Service looks great. I'd buy them just for the covers. No. I do love the 90s, 90s goosebumps or something. Oh, goose. Bring the, back the, goosebumps. The spy who loved me is like the top of trees. And I'm like, 
Because that's what the book's about, the top of trees. <laughs> we know. No, the... but they do have the motel sort of 007 there, which is kind of cool. You know what they should have had? They should have had Chloe on the yeah. cover of The Spy Who Loved Me, a teenage girl <laughs> but, getting it on. Speaking of goosebumps, uh, and I'm back onto the topic of books, famously, uh, R.L. Stein has written a James Bond book. That is a true fact. Yeah, choose West. your own adventure one, right? Yeah, Mark Edlitz, read, oh, okay. read, read that book, Colin. We had him on the show. He's a good friend of ours. He writes about it in The Lost Adventures of James Bond. But they're actually, they're actually censoring it because R.L. Stein's a massive racist. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, all, all of his ghosts were <laughs> white. He never had a black ghost. <laughs> uh, why are there any black ghosts then? Yeah, why, why the white sheet ghost? Racist? Why don't we jump into Goldfinger, Nan? Not yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Goldfinger. Uh, and Ben, uh, your thoughts on Goldfinger uh, and how long did it take you to get through it? Well, I mean, this actually, I think we did our first two episodes quite closely within each other, but I um, I took longer to read this because life happened. I moved again. Um, and then kind of when I got settled because I moved twice when I then moved again, I was like, okay, I really should start reading this. It was just sitting there for ages. So I finally got through it. So it, this is the longest one I think it took me to read based on life. But then when I was reading it, I'm just kind of like, going, okay, like what's going to happen is what, you know, things happening, you know, like, is this sounds like the movie, but like for fuck's sake, golf for like a whole chapter. Like, I mean, I'm a sports fan. But like golf is not really at the top of my sports that I enjoy watching. Um, I could beat both of you at golf, I reckon. I'd play it. All Probably. Right. Mini golf, maybe you'd have a bit of an upper hand, but that's just by chance anyway. Everyone knows that. Um, but yeah, it just, it was interesting and not because then basically there's only like one action scene, right? Like at the end. And even then it's kind of gone quickly. Um I'm just gonna, and I'm, I've read here Bond writing a book about fighting because he was like, gonna, he's writing a book because he's, he's, isn't he bored in his office and he's got nothing to do? Sure. And he's like, oh. right. he's starting to write his manual or whatever it is. So I'm reading through my notes here because, again, like I, I probably read this a couple of months ago through that. But so the, is it DuPont, DuPont who kind of comes back in for Casino Royale, like when he meets him at the airport or something like that? Because I'm going, like, is this guy in Casino Royale? And then it's kind of like, I, I kind of that is a cool thing about this book is the guy and this these three books do have the sort of Fleming extended universe sort of thing going mm. on. The, the the guy in Goldfinger, the movie, who's playing cards with uh, Goldfinger, is uh, a guy who Bond meets in Casino Royale, and it's mm. just such a bit character. But I love that Fleming does this that he'll bring back a random bit character and be like, "Oh yeah, I was there at Casino Royale four years ago." I do like when he like will reference such as like random missions, like, "Oh, we had some trouble, you know, with this," and you're like, "Oh, that's from that book. I read it." Um, well, even later in Goldfinger, uh, some of the gangsters are the spangled mob from uh, Diamonds Are Forever. Mm. So I love that he he really paints his whole universe and we saw from russia with love where they mentioned like mathis in it so i, I like that fleming does that he is kind of a bit of a revolutionary I, in that in some way some of the stuff i liked like i liked kind of like bond going to goldfinger's house and like snooping around his house kind of you know as he waited uh for him to get back i've written here why is odd job going to eat a cat there's like a reference <laughs> like is that part of the like oh he's korean uh, so he must eat like that's Cats and dogs? Is that yeah. what it's meant to be? Yeah. Um, you live there, Noah. Who eats cats? 
Well, that's what I had for dinner. No, <laughs> I don't know if we're getting into the Korean stuff, but oh yeah. Um, the Jill, like, yeah, Jill just randomly getting killed off, like, well, off page, I guess you would say, because it's kind of just like mentioned. Um, what have I also written here? The back and forth. I like, yeah, the, the stuff, it's kind of like the movie, right? So I like the kind of cat and mouse, kind of them one-upping each other. Like, that's kind of cool. And Bond kind of always coming in, like, kind of just toying with him. That kind of stuff's fun. Um, I've written here, is it implied that Tilly is a lesbian for Pussy, the character? Um, because, like, when Pussy... She knows her, doesn't she? But Pussy comes in and Tilly's all like, gaga for Pussy. Yeah. That sounds so wrong. But it's the character... <laughs> <laughs> is that the episode <laughs> Gaga for pussy uh, Sponsored by Audible um, <laughs> It sounds like Lady Gaga's political campaign <laughs> She's standing for women's rights Gaga for pussy I approve of this message um, But yeah like See this is going to be stuff in six years We're going to cringe over Like, But like I've written here Action happens quickly when Felix shows up Tilly just dies She was useless Love Felix coming in and his friendship with Bond. I do like that. And then, funny, it ends in Canada, but no action at all. Ends odd and creepy that pussy was raped by her uncle and then fucks, and then Bond fucks her. What? Like, see, it's, that's all right. The final chapter's like implied, like, oh, I lost my virginity to my uncle when I was like 14 and he raped me. And then basically she's all like, oh, I'll have sex with you, James Bond. So why is that not taken out of the book? That's pretty wrong. Um, Maybe it is. But I yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of Canadian connections to these books, by the way. Can we just, I think all three of these have Canadian references in it. Um, but yeah, it's just literally, I feel like you've got this the longest novel with like nearly 400 pages long and basically probably about 80% of it is, well, not even that 85, 90% of it is just setting it up for one action scene. And then it ends with a weird story about a lesbian having been raped as a child and then fucking James Bond. Okay. I think um, when I first read this, I I didn't know whether this was considered a good novel, a bad novel. I knew I loved the movie and I had a lot of time on my hands. So I I really read through it in maybe two days. I I, I did have a job. (laughs) I was off for a day or two. Um, But uh, I had, it didn't take me long to read this at all. So it wasn't like one of these things where I'm like, oh, this is so boring. But I just, I always remember that getting through this and being like, when is something going to happen? <laughs> Come yeah. on. Because everything in the movie, the entire third act of the movie, like from when he gets on the plane and uh, the Fort Knox plots all revealed, like that comes so late in the book. It is just a lot of talking. And I mean, I, I, I you mentioned kind of liking Bond at Goldfinger's house. And I remember reading that being like, well, this is different from the movie, but even that just went on forever and ever and ever. I mean, I think the the one standout of this is probably the torture scene, uh, mm. which would be a lot scarier, I think, than a laser, um, you know, because we get like this this giant spinning blade and everything. Uh, It'd be messy, huh? It would be very messy. Uh, Dick and, would be on the you, wall. <laughs> stuck in the, the keyhole and <laughs> wherever else you could in the room. But, but <laughs> it, yeah, it just, there was not a bigger dick than that. <laughs> Well, you. pieces of it. I mean, it's not going to come out one chunk. Of it. <laughs> James was a man, Colin. He's got a big dick. <laughs> but uh, golfing is confused because the sword just keeps going up and up and up and up and up, and he's waiting for it to hit. And he's like, "What, Mister Bond? This is embarrassing." Oh. I identify as a woman. Uh, ben does not <laughs> Bond, but uh, but yeah, I just. I just I always, and when I reread it, it actually wasn't as, 
I would say it wasn't as boring as I remember, but it definitely was less interesting. There's so much, so little going on in the book that it's just hard to get excited about anything. And then the stuff that you do get, I mean, this is one of the examples of where it wasn't just the tone of the movie that improved it. It was all the little additions in the story that increased the excitement that improved it. Like th there's very few things in this book. I think really nothing outside of the torture scene that's actually better in the book than the movie. And that's one of the, the odd things about this compared to other ones where I think there's usually a handful of things and even the lesser than books that are better than the movie. Yeah, uh, I, I, this one is a shame because I feel like a lot of people probably read this as their first Bond book because they probably think, oh, Goldfinger, my, that's the famous one. Um, but it, it is boring, and that's where you've got to really give props to the film because they did copy this book pretty closely, but they managed to make it exciting, and this is just not that exciting. Um and things like Ben talked about pussy showing up at the end, like pussy galore isn't in a lot of the Goldfinger movie, but she's really not in a lot of this book. People think of her as that iconic Bond girl. Uh, like Ben, you said it best, like Fleming, he's a sucker for tragic backstories for his Bond girls. And he, he got to the end of Goldfinger. He's like, oh shit, I never gave pussy a tragic backstory. Oh, in the last chapter, let's suddenly like, if we didn't need that, you could have yeah. ended a chapter beforehand. Um, and like in the film, people talk about, oh, how it's wrong. She's a lesbian getting turned or whatever. I feel like the, the film did it much more, with much more tact than the book does. The book is very blatant of, oh, she's a lesbian, I'm going to turn her. Like, what does he say? Like, this is every man's fantasy to turn a woman like this. Or, I think that's a line in the book or something. That's <laughs> like, is it? No. Even in the 50s? Like, like is that? I think our I fantasy think is to watch. Fantasy. I think our fantasy is to watch lesbians. Like, like if you have sex with a lesbian, like, what's the fun in that? Like, they don't enjoy it. So. <laughs> I, I don't think that's any man's fantasy. And th there's plenty of women in the sea. I, I, women in I'm, the sea. Yes, I'm not, women yes, in, I'm the, not sea. in the, sea. the sea. Women in the sea. <laughs> so um, many lesbians down there. <laughs> <laughs> lesbians and me. Look at all the pussy. Swimming lesbians on the clouds. It's the only sea. because their uncles raped them under the sea. <laughs> <laughs> Can we make that into a film, Lesbians Under the Sea? <laughs> That's the episode I'm title. I'm sure there is one. It's not the episode title. <laughs> Lesbians Under the Sea. Under the, the Sea. Title. <laughs> oh. What is that? Uh, wow. What is that other? Dunna, uh, I love that song. Dunna, yeah. Dunna. <laughs> Can you feel the lesbian tonight? She's up in your face. Bond will turn her. She was raped as a child. Now she's with a man. If we had any common sense, we'd have. Wherever lesbians are. I think you're going to Matata. You know I haven't seen The Lion King. Hakuna my lesbians. What a wonderful phrase. Dun -dun -dun -dun. Oh, um, I just can't wait to be lesbian. Lesbian go, lesbian go. <laughs> You've got a lesbian in me. 
You've got this, a lesbian in me. This reminds me, I don't know if either of you ever watched Beavis and Butthead. There's, um... No. Do the impression, uh, Colin, you're so a good very, at it. <laughs> Uh, shut up! Uh, but really anyways, there's uh, there's there's a teacher, a very woke teacher that they have who mm. sang a song called "Lesbian Seagull." It's like "Fly High, Lesbian Seagull," <laughs> and it actually made the soundtrack of their movie, which was great. Uh, yeah, "Fly High, Lesbian Seagull." There's our episode title. Uh, uh, <laughs> swim low, lesbians under the sea is winning. We've we've put it to the we've put it to the audience and that's got the poll right now. The, the audience of Ben. <laughs> Come on, even Noah's agreeing with lesbians under the sea is the best episode uh, title. I mean, Disney is getting woke, so I say put more lesbians in Disney. I um, think I think we're closing with Under the Sea, aren't we, as our song? <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, go on. Yeah. Uh, it's a bad I, 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 I yeah, I don't think it's any guy's fantasy of because um, Colin doesn't even know what a lesbian is. No. Or, or, or a pussy galore. Is Chloe a lesbian? Uh, <laughs> oh, she's 14, I wish. Probably raped uh, by her uncle. Uh, 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 let's, uh, uh. <laughs> Move on. see by face palm. Oh. In 50 years' six time, when they go back and edit these for a new audience, it'll be fine. Yeah, I'm going to say in six years, this is going to get edited. Um, and, uh, but, like, even like the film, I feel like Tilly is such a major character in this book. Mm. That I would say Tilly is the main Bond girl. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And but she's crap. I don't. No, I I like Tilly, and I think, and she's also a lesbian in this one. Um, yeah, because she's like into pussy, like the character. I then it makes me wonder. Like, I think Fleming had this weird thing with lesbians because. Yeah, he could have just kept Tilly as the main Bond girl. She has the connection to Jill, but then he yeah. he had to add in the last few chapters this pussy character that comes really out of nowhere. That like Fleming had this weird hangout with lesbians. Um, he was rejected by too many lesbians in the fifties. <laughs> he never successfully turned one, uh, so no. he didn't book. That was his there. lifelong ambition. <laughs> um, but the 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 one thing like. I will say about this book is I feel like it does develop Bond's character a lot more. And we do get a lot of his sort of monologues that are quite good in this. And what is, I think the first chapter is called, isn't it called like reflections from a DB five or something like that's such a great chapter title. And one thing that's got to be said for this one, this is the only one that has like a pre-title sequence because mm, Bond at the beginning is talking about like his mission that he like was that. on. And isn't it, he's talking about some like Mexican yeah. drug thing that he, which makes me think I've never put two and two together. Is the Goldfinger pre-title sequence supposed to be this mission that he's talking about here? Maybe. There's definitely similarities. Yeah. We just need the little duck hat. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't mentioned in the book. I lost my duck. And we, we, need, yeah, we need him to fall on a couch. The reference yeah, to the I'm, movie yeah, Spectre, I, where it's set in Mexico at the beginning. So it's under the ball now. Oh, shit, that's the wrong one. Whoa. Whoa. Really? Hang on. Whoa. He sounds drunk now. What happened to Pierce? <laughs> he saw Brendan Fraser win an Oscar, and he's like, when's my turn? Um, this, this one's a bit of a slog, though, uh, but there are some things there. So Thunderball, uh, now this was the other one that I went in with no expectations. And again, I love the movie and I kind of had the same 
reaction to this. I'm like, oh, it's not taking me a long time to get this through this book, but like, when is something gonna happen? <laughs> uh, Double but I, I will, I will say what what I like about this book is uh, the opening stuff, which I mean, I'm sure you know it, it goes on a little bit long, but that's kind of you know the way a lot of them want, like the card game in Moonraker. But there's so much more of a context for Bond being at this health spa, not just a mission and everything, but the, how bad the shape is. And I think this is the one I always reference about. Uh, particularly like the Daniel Craig era and how Bond is kind of broken and everything that that's the way Ian Fleming wrote him. He was a guy who was in bad health and he was sort of like ordered to be here. So kind of like what you were saying with Goldfinger, I feel like Thunderball has a little bit more character development for Bond, but in comparison to what we get in the movie, I mean, there's just so little that happens in this book. Um, I think, no, you said that you, like it's, Kind of like I me. Mean, I'm not a fan of the movie. This is better than the movie. This book. Um, really? I yeah. I definitely think so. But I still didn't really like, like it. It. I mean, we know kind of this really was a book written for a movie, right? Like this was kind of written as a transcript. Mm. Um, yeah. So like it kind of does feel like a movie. Um, there were parts of this that I really loved. Like I loved the whole Blofeld, the note sort of like the ransom note section. That was really really cool. Um, I loved the um, the kind of the the stuff around the the beaches, like with Domino. Like Domino is a cool character. I like Domino in this book. He's better in the movie, Domino. Um, but like I've written here some things like Bond goes to rehab and smokes sixty smokes a day, half a bottle of spirits. Like fucking hell. Like uh, that. Light I me up. Um, I I've. The Blofeld stuff that I found, so Blofeld's not number one in this book. Number one is, is it Largo is number one in this book? Yeah, isn't it like, yeah, it's different from the movies where Blofeld's like, he's above the numbers. Something like that. But like, I also love the fact that apparently Blofeld has a large penis because it is written in there, nothing about Blofeld was small. <laughs> um. So, yeah. Um, Bob. Yeah. Um... Lago is better in the book as well. Like Lago is not that brilliant. We'll the, agree with that. Yeah. In the in the movie, um, but I also kind of like that connection to the the like Domino's brother, kind of how they they play that out. But it's just the stuff that he's dragged out. Like it's like the plane stuff, finding the plane. Like it's cool. It's like I like how it's written, but it's just like okay, get on with this. Um, I've written here similar to Goldfinger, just has all the action at the end and then just ends. Um, and then I also, that's right. Domino has sex with, um, Bond and Domino have sex and they're automatically in love in two seconds. I'm sorry. I'll never back at Casino Royale again after this book. Um, like it's even worse than that. Um, yeah. I mean, again, it's fine. It's, oh, it's, when, when do they get on? Um, is it at the end when they're about to go on the, she's about to go on the boat undercover and they're at the beach. They meet at the beach and they go into that little hut at the beach. Oh, I think you might yeah. be right. Yeah. Because I, I had this down to zero because I, I remember that at the they end. They definitely have sex. At the end, he goes to like bed her and he falls asleep and that's the end of the book. No, they, they uh, yeah, that that bit. But like they, they definitely, because like they meet at yeah, the no, beach. Yeah, you're right. And then they go into that shed. Um, Yeah. Romantic. Look he, at me. He's like a fifteen-year-old child. Yeah, but it's um, but it's but it's like that's it's just he just goes and like and like that was kind of like 
I wasn't high on Vesper in the book either, uh, just in terms of that. And I know it's famous and everything and all that kind of stuff. But, like, I don't know. Like, Domino was good. But, um, yeah, that that ending was weird. Now, you, you mentioned that. I forgot about that ending. About them being in, like, the freaking rehab clinic. And it's all like, I'm going to, like, goes to sleep. And then she's all like, oh, I'll be here in the morning, darling, or something like that. And then Felix is basically like, isn't he just, like, implying that they're all going to fuck? Like, oh, the, oh, no, the doctor is kind of all like, Oh, it's all like he's not very healthy, but you can still go and fuck him or something like that. Like it's yeah, it's it's strange. But like I mean, I didn't mind like the the rehab stuff was like a bit like okay, where are we going with this? But the the, the characterization of kind of like M being like this new age hippie, like it's clean me up, I'm a new man. You must do it too. Um, but I like I mean, the introduction of Spectre is interesting. I kind of like the fact that in the book you've got written like a, a death, a table of death, basically, of like, hey, you're going to get burnt at the table because you're shit. So I liked a lot of that stuff. It was, I wish it was kind of like from Rush With Love where maybe half the book was from that perspective of the setup of like, this is Blofeld, this is Spectre, because that was the stuff I found really interesting. Uh, well, firstly, I've got a question. Uh, Kill Bang Mary, uh, Telly Savalas... Donald Pleasance and Charles Gray. As Blofeld or just as people? Oh, you know, half and half. <laughs> Depends who they identify with. Um, I'd marry Charles Gray. He'd be a fun man to just, you know, like, I mean. Yeah, take you out to dinner. He was the narrator, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. Um, fuck Telly Savalas. That man would know what to do. Uh, like He's got a big dong. Oh, fuck yes. And that man's he's a Hollywood icon. Um, oh, are you going to kill Tom Pleasant? He's evil. Look at him with his eye and his cat. Like, he's scary. Come and have him. <laughs> kill Bond now. No, kill kill Donald now. Ah. Yeah. Some people are into that. Oh, I think that's a standard answer. Would you agree? Yeah. Although Charles Gray would be a fun bang too. Yeah. I mean, look. I think Charles would be romantic and sensual. Where Telly would just you take you to the theatre and take you out for a romantic dinner. Like you... Lisa Valance would be banging you down at the bottom. <laughs> Yo, that's what I'm into. <laughs> well, kill bang marry uh, uh, Christoph Waltz. Um, I'll marry him. The, the shadowy Anthony Dawson Blofeld from the Thunderball film. And uh, the Thunderbolt, uh, the Never Say Never Again, Blofeld. I'll kill both of them and I would marry and fuck uh, Christoph Waltz. <laughs> he'd be like, he'd be such a sophisticated, fun man to live with, Christoph Waltz. Come on. You've seen you'd, you'd Inglorious Bastards, that speech he gives. Like, come on. You'd bang the, the Anthony Dawson in the shadows because that would be a kind of a bit cheeky in bit the dark. Cheeky. Yes. Yeah, it can't see his face. No, well, some people are into that. It's what yeah. people have sex with me, they do put a put a bag on my head. So, <laughs> as you say, thank you, number two. <laughs> <laughs> Don't burn me in my chair. Take off my pants, number two. Under the uh, sea. Uh, under the seat. <laughs> under the seat. Oh. Under the seat. <laughs> a bit of a reach around. <laughs> a reach around. A reach around for me. Why do you can you see my hands right now? I'm just under the seat. Under the seat. A reach around under the seat. You can tell we're stalling for time while Colin has gone to uh like look at look after the kids. Colin's gone for a reach around. We don't um, end it on this show. Uh yeah, I 
Thunderball, because this is the famous kind of controversial one. The funny thing is this film has been adapted more than any other, like, mm. James Bond. There's the novel, there's the comic book, there's the two movies, there's the radio play, and they just can't seem to get an exciting thing mm. out of it. And the problem with Thunderbolt is the plot should be exciting. Yeah. You've got warheads. You've got this evil organization with this shadowy figure. You've got this eyepatchy guy on a, on a yacht. You've got... Hot, That's uh, the actual Bahamas. character name, eyepatchy guy on a yacht. You've got hot people in the Bahamas. You've got underwater action, not lesbians underwater. Um, But... That's the problem. That's what's frustrating about Thunderbolt. It should be one of the best. It should be so exciting, and it never is. Every yeah. time it's adapted. Good point. And part of me thinks, well, was it just made too early, and they they didn't have the means to really pull it off? But then, I mean, Never Say Never Again was made in '83, and they didn't pull it off there. So, and then they wanted to remake it again in the '90s, for God's sake. Uh, this film is just cursed by Dan McClory. McClory. Um, and, and I do think it kind of does read like a written version of a script. It's mm. very sort of just linear and to the point very sort specific. of thing. It, it is. And uh, I, I wonder if you can read the original script. I don't know if that's available or not. That could be interesting. Um, but, yeah, for God's sake, it's just... It is boring, but I will say there are some good chapters of this. There are some fun bits. Domino, as you said, is a better Bond girl than a lot of the other ones we've had. Um, and you do get a bit of progression with Bond's character. Like in Skyfall, this was the third Daniel Craig one, and already Daniel Craig is old and haggard and blah, 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 blah. Uh, Thunderball was like the fourth one, but this kind of makes sense in the books. This is what, book number eight? Mm. It kind of makes sense. The Bond is getting a bit tired and haggard after all these missions and he needs to go and shape up a bit. Like Skyfall, it didn't make sense after three films. Um, so this is where Fleming does a really good job of following the progression of the character and it's only downhill for the Bond character from here. He doesn't really, like, he's past his peak. You'll see in the next three. Well, he's, I mean, he's, he's he has been completely battered to crap in the opening books, you know, I mean, what was it like Moonraker, just how, right? I mean, live and let die, just all the crap he's gone through. Um, so yeah. like, yeah, that's interesting, but you're right on the point that the, what's, how is this plot so hard to make good? Because this, I mean, yeah, one thing I did like about this was obviously Spectre, but I love a good, Hey, we're going to nuke the world. I'm going to hold you to ransom. Like, I mean, cause all of Bond's missions to this point haven't really had super high stakes to it on this level, have they? I mean, I guess golfing. Uh, this is the big, the big battle, or at least it should be. Yeah, like I mean, golfing. I guess stealing the world's gold, sure, but <laughs> like, yeah, I think. I mean, the book, the movie did that better, didn't it, with contaminating the gold rather than just stealing the gold. Um, but yeah, like I, I love that kind of idea. But like, I, I did kind of like how they like how Fleming explains the, I think this is where the book does it better than the movie. And I guess you can, cause you've got more time to explain it, but how they got the nuclear bombs and, and like that goes into the, I love that ransom note section when they kind of go into that with the world and going back and forth with like Washington and, and everything along those lines. So yeah, like it, 
It's better than Goldfinger, I think. It's more entertaining. But again, it's kind of because it's kind of a movie in a book and the point that literally it is, you know, because as you said, it's just like this is a film script that they've just turned into a into a novel. But um, yeah, maybe we'll get Never Say Never Again 2. And it with George Lazenby. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, like, and like the health stuff, it, it's fun. And I feel like Fleming is bringing a bit more humor into the Bond books the later they go on. Um, they get slightly more humorous. But like, it's like 60 pages or something of him at the bloody health spa. It's like, come on, get a move on. Um, and 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 also the the underwater battle. <laughs> I find it's quite hard to really portray that in text compared to on screen, and that's yeah. where this maybe shows that it was originally a film plot. Yeah, there was something. Oh, what was I going to say about that fight? The way they kind of handle it. The um, oh, like Bond's about to be killed by Largo, and then all of a sudden Domino just happens to be there, and like, boom, hi, you're dead. Um. Oh, there was something about that fight, though, that was just... I I think, like, yeah, I agree with you, but I think it's written more interestingly, like the way they're kind of, like, going through the caverns and things like that and kind of in the dark area with, like, the barracuda and everything along those lines. Like, the way oh, yeah. the way that was written, I thought, was just more interesting because, like, the movie is just like, let's all just jump in an open space and pew, 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 pew. Whereas this was kind of like... It felt very claustrophobic sometimes, the way they had to, like, journey under thing to get the bombs. Um... And the like the Geiger counter sections and everything, um, yeah, yeah. I I love the fact that they actually like. I thought it was just a stupid movie thing, but the way he like he's got that card scene with Lago, and it's like, oh, my specter against yours, and oh, it's the specter of defeat, and like it's like what? Like it makes no sense in the book. All the I mean, loves the word specter because we already had Specterville in. Um... That's true. One thing, one, the, the one criticism I'll have about Spectre is this is the, the, the organization, not the movie, because I love the movie. Um, it just kind of does come out of nowhere. Like, it's kind of just like Fleming's just gone, eh, yeah, Smirsh, they were fine. Let's introduce a new thing in this book. And then it's kind of like, so there's Spectre, Smirsh got dissolved. Oh, well, let's move on. Like, I feel like there needed to be a build up to this. Like, have like a book or something I mentioned of like, oh, that we're hearing whispers of a potential new group, like Smirsh of gone to factions and like, we all don't know. It's just, I don't know. Does it feel random to you that it's just all of a sudden like, Hey, new evil people. Well, I think I read earlier today that in the original movie script, there was the Russians and then they thought, well, we better not do that. Um, which is they did in the movies. They're like, well, let's just use Spectre as like a broad, but maybe that's where the movies did it better. Where we had Dr. No saying, I remember Spectre, Spectre, uh, and then we sort of built up to From Russia With Love with the sort of shadowy Blofeld. Uh, and then we sort of moved up to Thunderball. So, yeah, maybe that's a bit where the movie did it better. Um, but I, I think Spectre as a sort of thing is a really interesting idea, though, and more interesting than Death to Spies. Yeah. I mean, I agree, because I, I kind of like how it sort of brings all of the people together. Didn't mention in golfing, I know you sort of touched on it with the gangsters, but I guess I kind of liked how we sort of had the gangster scene in the book, but not quite as uh, not quite like the movie. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's very intelligently done inventing this Spectre sort of plot line, but it does, it does kind of come out of nowhere. 
So while we wait for Colin, if we I don't have anything more to talk about the uh, book because I feel Spy Love me might talk about. It. I'm trying to you, I'm trying to get into our AI website, but it's saying it's at capacity right now. It's not letting me do anything. I'm sad. Oh, what what is our prompt going to be? Um, we need we need a good one like Ben and Noah like stall for time on their podcast Double O Seven while their co-host okay. Colin looks after his children or like write a dialogue. <laughs> okay, ready? So tell me, write a dialogue between where Ben and Noah co-host on Double O Podcast Double O Seven co-host on podcast Double O Seven. Stall for time while their other co-host Colin goes and looks after his children. Co-host Colin goes <laughs> looks after his. Ch- I'm such a hypocrite because I'm so anti AI, but I've become obsessed. With- <laughs> so, <laughs> I've become- so I I blame. A guest on our show. I blame John Oliver because, like, I didn't know this was a thing. He did a thing last season on, like, picture generators, and we discovered that one, you know, how weird that turned out. You have to copy and paste it into our chat, and I will read it. Um, and then, so he did a thing on, like, the written ones, and I didn't realize this was a thing. So I found one, it was like an app, and it was like, you only got, like, three free ones. And then you sent it to me, and then you were like, oh, no, you can do it this way. So. I, I didn't know about it until you sent it, and then I'm like, oh, this is funny. Uh, and then I was up until about 2 a.m. pretty... <laughs> well, I know. I, I woke up, and it's like 500 messages, and they're all these bloody... I haven't even read all of them yet. We should do one of them. Just while you, while you load that up, just let me... Um... All right. Where's... The, fun, the funniest one, I don't know if you read it, but... Shrek goes, I'm sorry, Colin, I need to tell you I'm in love with Jamie. And then <laughs> and then we, we call Jamie on the air and then Jamie says, I'm sh- oh, sorry, Shrek, I'm married. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie wouldn't say that. Just say that right now. Every, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I put maybe Shrek into about 10 of these AI things. Every time he's the most charming, sweet guest, and he's always calling us buddies. And I think he calls the Colin mate. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, before you copy that, I have to scroll way back. One of the first ones I did was something along the lines of like Ben defends Colin, like saves Madonna from getting shot or something like that. <laughs> it was like Colin and Noah decided to shoot Madonna. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Ben kills me, and wow, it's, the AI is really giving us a lot of uh, <laughs> things to talk about. Uh, also, can we okay. mention that random thing you were bored that night and you photoshopped my head onto a picture of some buff guy as Madonna has unky new boy toy in her life? Uh, I just uh, that was funny. Oh, I found the uh, uh, the shooting one. I think. Oh, have you copied something? This is great podcasting, by the way. Okay. It, it's okay. Uh... <laughs> you sending it or am I reading this? What do you, what's happening? No, it's right still good. Still it's giving us okay. so much dialogue. <laughs> I'll read this by the way. We're still over time. All right. So this is a AI generated story. I have given the prompt. Tell a story about Ben meeting Madonna and then killing Colin and Noah. That's all the prompt was. So this is the story. Interrupt me at any time when you got the dialogue. Once upon a time, there lived a young man called Ben who dreamed of one day becoming a famous musician like his idol, Madonna. He spent his days writing music, practicing his vocals and perfecting his sound so that maybe one day he might have the chance to meet her. One day, Ben got a surprise phone call from Madonna's manager. 
offering him the chance to come and perform at one of her shows. Ben was ecstatic, and he quickly accepted the offer. At Madonna's show, he wowed everyone with his performances, but as he looked down into the crowd, he spotted his two worst enemies, Colin and Noah. Two <laughs> classmates from his former school were in the audience. They jeered and laughed at him, and this only fueled Ben's anger even further. In a fit of rage, Ben pulled, out a, ben pulled out a gun and fired Colin and Noah. Killing them both instantly. The venue was in a state of shock. Good song, man. But at the moment, Ben felt a sense of relief as if he had been freed from an oppressive prison that Noah had built around him. Madonna was horrified by what she witnessed and she quickly ushered Ben away from the scene, whisking him away to safety before the police arrived. Madonna's covering up my crimes. At the police station, Ben explained what had happened. And this time, he didn't feel ashamed or scared. Instead, he felt peace and acceptance <laughs> with the support of Madonna. He had, he had a big, where, where is it? With the support of Madonna, he was able to see that he had acted out of fear. Fear of, <laughs> fear of being bullied and mocked by Colin and Noah. It's so true. In that so moment, just your in that, I'm getting hard right now. In that moment, Ben w- vowed to never let fear take control of him again. He dedicated his life to his music, following in the footsteps of Madonna and becoming a successful artist. The moral of this story, if we face our fears instead of running away from them, we can achieve greater things in life. Am I not going to jail? I murdered two people in an auditorium. Uh, wasn't there, I think there was one where you quit the show because we had a heated <laughs> argument over Madonna. Oh, uh, you got me that. All right, and well, me you... and Colin had to continue saying, Ben, if you keep this up, we're going to have to let you go. <laughs> I like the Roger Moore being on the podcast. Roger Moore was a fan. All right, we've got this dialogue. Oh, All right. Roger Moore was a good guy. I've not read it, so I don't Me know if it's funny on it. All right, okay. So this right. is, uh, so refresh our memories. This is dialogue while we wait for, okay. Um, ben, welcome back to 007, where we talk about all things espionage, intrigue, and action. I'm Ben, and as always, I'm here with my partner in crime, Noah. Hello, everyone. Uh, so glad to be with you here today. And today we have a very special episode for you. We're going to be talking about the best spy gadgets of all time. Did you type we're a James Bond podcast or does this already know? Uh, no, I didn't. I just know. <laughs> Yay! Uh, we're known on AI. We made it. <laughs> oh, that's right, Ben. We've got everything from the classic Aston Martin, from the James Bond film, to the latest in high-tech spy gear. Oh, but before we get into that, we have a little bit of a delay. Colin had to step away to take care of his kids. Switch is going to stall for a bit until he gets back. This is very accurate. It really is. He's uh, only no been 15 minutes. He's been gone for like an hour, I think. No problem, Ben. We, we, well, we can talk about some of our favourite spy movies while we wait. Sounds good to me. I'll start with one of my favourites. Porn Identity. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Matt, Matt David really killed me in that role. <laughs> I think that's the first mention of Matt David on the 129 episodes. Matt David's off the list. Definitely. I loved how they didn't rely on a lot of gadgets. Did we just say we're talking about spy gadgets? And this is my favorite movie. Um, it was all about born skills and instincts. 
Yeah, that's what makes it so exciting. You just never know what's going to happen next. And speaking of not knowing what's going to happen next, Noah, how about Mission Impossible? That's another one of my favourites. Oh, I love that series too. The gadgets they come up with are always so creative. I agree. Remember that first movie when Tom Cruise was hanging from the ceiling trying to avoid laser beams? Of course. It's one of the most iconic scenes in movie history. And then he goes protocol when he's climbing outside the Burj Khalifa in Dubai. Yeah, I don't know how he does it. <laughs> he has a lot of guts. <laughs> I know, right? That's why we love these spy movies. They're so thrilling and exciting. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And speaking of thrilling and exciting, I think we've stalled enough for Colin to get back. Let's get started on our gadget countdown. Sounds like a plan. Welcome back, Colin. We've been talking about our favourite spy movies while we waited for you. Are you ready to get started on our gadget countdown? Oh, it's it's a, what a way to stall for time. Shall, shall I do uh, Ben and... Surprise me. Colin. Don't tell me. I just All want right. to read it. <laughs> All right. You, you talk. So, uh, Colin, how are you? I'm great, Ben. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well, Colin. What do you think of Noah? He's a little shit. Yeah, I agree. What do you think about that, Jamie? I like men. Okay. Uh, I like men. Oh, God. All right. Um, what else can we say here? Stalling for time. I need that script again. How about we play? That's a solid idea, uh, Noah. You think we'd do this? Again, we would edit things out. Okay, so this is a Roger Moore's podcast appearance. I think this might have been one that you sent. Roger Moore had always been a fan of podcasts. He loved listening to them on long drives and found them. Met him, Roger Moore. I'm on a long drive. I'm going to put on a podcast. <laughs> to pass the time. So when he was invited to appear in the Double Oz 7 podcast, he jumped at the chance. The podcast was hosted by two diehard James Bond fans, John and Dave. <laughs> We've been, been fired. John and David. Who's <laughs> John and David? <laughs> this AI doesn't know <laughs> shit. <laughs> Ben, Noah and Colin have been fi- fired. <laughs> they had been writing the podcast for a few years. Well, what happened? And they'd interviewed many of the actors who had played the iconic spy. John and David are good. They've got Brosnan. They've got Tom. Roger arrived at the studio early, dressed in a sharp suit and tie. Oh, Roger dressed up for us. Oh, sorry, not for us. John and David. Um, Looking every bit the gentleman that he was, he was greeted by John and David, who were both clearly excited to meet him. They had erections. The interview began, and Roger settled in comfortably, answering questions about his time playing James Bond. He talked about his favourite scenes, his co-stars, and the challenges of playing such an iconic character. The host listened intently, hanging on every word that he said. As the interview progressed, Roger began to open up more and more. Roger Moore. He talked about his personal life, uh, and it died. What? His... Passions outside of acting and even sh- shared a few humorous stories about his time on set. Oh, Roger. John and David were in awe of him. Well, I bet we would be too if we weren't fired. They had always admired his work, but now they were even more impressed by his wit, charm and intelligence. The interview came to an end and Roger thanked the host for having him on his show. John and David thanked him for his time and for being such a great guest. 
As Roger left the studio, he couldn't help but feel a sense of satisfaction. He had always enjoyed sharing his experiences with his fans and being on the 007 podcast had given him the opportunity to do just that. He knew that his time playing James Bond had been a defining moment in his career and he was grateful for the opportunity to reflect on it with such enthusiastic hosts. And who knows, maybe one day he'd be back on the show ready to share more stories from his incredible life. Aww. Good job, John and David, for getting that exclusive interview. Uh, I've sent another one, so we've All each right. got to play two characters. Do you want to be RM or do you want to be S? Uh, uh, I, 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 I'll, <laughs> I'll be Roger Moore. I can, I see this. You can be Shrek. Okay. All right. Oh, right. Okay. Ready? Okay. Welcome back to 007, the Ultimate Spy Podcast. Unfortunately, Colin has to step away for a bit, but we have a couple of very special guests here to keep us company. That's right, Ben. We have none other than legendary actor Sir Roger Moore and the one and only Shrek. Hey, donkey, I'm not just any ogre, you know. I'm the one and only Shrek. It's a pleasure to be here, gentlemen. I must say I'm quite impressed with your setup. It's not often that I get to appear on such a modern platform. Thank you, Sir Roger. We're big fans of your work. And of course, Shrek, we're on it to have you on the show as well. Absolutely. You two are legends in your respective fields, and we're thrilled to have you here with us today. Oh, thanks, <laughs> fellas. It's great to be here. So what do you want to talk about? Yes, I'm quite curious as well. I must admit, I'm not much of a technology person myself, but I'm always interested in learning new things. Well, we were actually just about to start our countdown of the best... Oh, God, spy gadgets. We're doing it again. But we could certainly adjust our plans if there's something else you'd prefer to discuss. Yeah, we're here to make sure our guests are happy after all. Nah, sounds like a lot of fun. I love gadgets. As do I. I've had the privilege of working with some truly innovative devices in my time. Well, in that case, let's get started. Our first gadget is a classic Aston Martin DB5 from the James Bond films. It's equipped with machine guns, oil slicks, and an ejector seat. That's a classic, but I think the cube raptors in this I'm dying on the day, it's even cooler. Oh, AI doing me dirty. Did you put die another day in for the um the thing? Oh, hang on. What a time to come back. Oh, I don't agree with my own script. What are you talking about? That thing was ridiculous. The D5 is classic for a reason. No, this is not me. We're stalling for time, Colin. You can wait until we finish this script. Hang on, it's nearly done. Oh, Roger Moore. Oh, I'm Roger Moore. Gentlemen, I must say I'm quite impressed with your knowledge of spy gadgets. But let's not argue over which one is better. They're both impressive in their own right. Yeah, and don't forget about, about my onion grenade from Shrek 2. It may not be high tech, but it gets the job done. <laughs> That's definitely a unique one, Shrek. All right, all right. We can all agree that spy gadgets are pretty cool. And speaking of cool, it doesn't get much cooler than having Sir Roger Moore and Shrek on our show. Ha ha ha. Thank you, Ben. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, you guys are pretty cool too. Maybe not as cool as an ogre, but still pretty cool. <laughs> Thanks, Shrek. We appreciate that. All right. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time for today's episode, but thank you so much to Sir Roger Moore and Shrek for joining us today. It's been my pleasure. Anytime, donkey. <laughs> and thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode of Double Old Seven. Wow. 
Yay. So that's what we thought of Thunderball. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> pretty. I, I, you, you missed our conversation about Ben's favorite movie, The Born Identity, with Matt Damon. <laughs> we mentioned Matt. The, the, the great thing about that is we do dialogue or just podcast, and it, hey, I knew we were a James Bond podcast. So. Neither. Yep. Did, did anybody praise Domino, the book form Domino? Yes. In Thunderball? I prefer Pizza Hut. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm still reading the the AI script. That wasn't me. That was the AI. Wow, that deserves a four hundred and forty-one. We yes. better not have hit four fifty by the time this episode. Oh, challenge accepted. Uh, oh, I shouldn't have said anything. Don't tempt fate. All right, so Thunderball, um, not Johnny Cash, but uh, <laughs> the book oh, Thunderball. Oh, that. All done. Yes. Uh, so now we're up to the one that we're really curious on Ben's feelings of, Bond having sex with a teenage girl um, and a teenage girl having sex with more than Bond and Ben imagining Chloe <laughs> in a James Bond movie. Uh, thoughts on Spy Let Me. This is what this is the main event. I want to correct you this both. This is a big showing. I want to correct you both. She's not a teenager in this book, isn't she? Like twenty? I thought she starts and she's like seventeen or eighteen. Well, so we all are teenagers at one point, but they grow up. Like I'm pretty sure she says she's like in her early twenties in this book. So I was disappointed. I'm like, is it? <laughs> you know, um, it's okay. It's odd. Um, I get it, but like, I think was it both of you said that when you first read it you like thought it was better than you thought it would be. Yeah. Um, so I'll admit it. I, it's better than I thought it would be. But like, I think the, the, the stuff that's great about this book is I love hearing bond from another person's perspective. I think that's really interesting and kind of hearing it from, you know, her perspective. And it's a bit silly. She falls in love with him. Like, I think the action stuff at the end is kind of like, I want to see this in a movie, like a hotel burning and them kind of like going through it and, out in the forest and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's interesting. I, I kind of really like her perspective of Jane's Bond at the end. It's unique and it's fascinating, but it's just fucking two-thirds of the book is, oh, and I went to London and I married a Jew. Well, not married. I fucked a German and then, oh, we were in a theatre and then he was like, like, the way Fleming writes about sex, like, is this Colin writing this book? Like, I mean, <laughs> didn't Fleming ever have sex? Um, yeah, it was just, it was, it was odd. And I think kind of like it, it definitely ended better than it started. I will say that. Um, and there was stuff in it that I was like, oh, this would make cool on, on, on the silver screen. But um, yeah, I, I'm, I don't know if I'm disappointing you both when I say like, I'm not going to be ranking this in my top like few, but it's also not going to be at the bottom either. So I'll well, just say I, I think when we ranked our book, like a couple of years ago, it was still in like our bottom three, maybe bottom four. Uh, but again, you expect this to be the very worst book because it barely has to do with Bond. Uh, I, I, it's been a couple of years since I've read this, but it, it just from reading up here, it looks like she narrates the story as a woman in her twenties, but it's, it's told as a backstory. So, a lot of the events yeah. that happen here is her as a teenage no, girl. No, no, so no, she's losing her virginity as a teenager. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. That, that part, like absolutely. But I meant like, it's more like her, in the hotel is like as a 20 year old, whereas like yeah, the not most, with Bond, yeah, yeah. She's and also Canadian. 
She's freaking yeah. Canadian huh? and Bond's on a mission in Toronto. Like, what happened? Where has this not happened? Like, this is like the Canadian novel. Eon really hates Canada. Like, there's yeah. no excuse at this point. Look at how much Fleming loved it. Noah. I, I wonder, Ben, about the format, though. Like, what is your thought on Fleming writing from someone who's not James Bond? And especially as a middle-aged man, a Canadian virgin female. <laughs> what, what, can, do we know why he did this novel? Like, was it just he just wanted to do something I, I was reading or? today, one of his things was that a lot of, and it's quite interesting because James Bond is considered a hero in the movie films, that he, he didn't realise a lot of school kids were going to start reading Bond and people started idolising Bond. So he wanted to write a cautionary tale about James Bond and how the even spies who are the good guys should still be... Because at the end, they, she runs into the cop and she talks about, oh, the, he was the spy, love me, I forget about him, girl. Uh, so it was his cautionary tale that you should stay away from even the heroes, which is kind of an interesting idea. I don't know if the delivery is quite there. It's look, I mean, it's weird for an old white dude to write about a young teenage girl, but I mean, I don't know. Like it's, it's, I think you get lost in it enough that, you know, there's stuff like the sex stuff and all this sort of stuff where it's kind of like, okay, this is a bit odd. But, like, I don't know. Like, I, I kind of think halfway through the book, I'm forgetting that this has been written by a man. Like, I mean, I, again, I'm not a woman. I don't know. Like, I'm going to read this differently. I'm like, okay, sure. I'm sure that's probably what a woman thinks at that age. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not a okay. teenage girl to read it. So I don't know what that really is like. Um, I, I have to get Jamie to read this one to give a female perspective. But, like, oh, I, Jamie I remember... doesn't count. She's barely a woman. <laughs> barely. <laughs> As in, like, she's more manly than you are. You're more of the what? woman in the relationship. She wants sex all the time. She likes oh, chicken. Oh, in terms of that, okay. <laughs> Is this the AI again? Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, here, one thing I just wanted to interject here. Uh, I remember reading this being like, oh, this this is actually quite interesting. You know, the the, the point of view of a, fe- a, woman. a woman. A woman. But there oh, may be a reason why Fleming did this well. Uh, trivia fact here. The story of Vivian Michelle's loss of her virginity is based on Ian Fleming's own story of losing her virginity in the exact same place. A woman. Literally the same location and everything. Ian Fleming basically wrote him losing his virginity and made himself into a teenage girl. We've all wanted to do that about our losing our virginity, and I'm sure Noah can write about it one day. (laughs) Chapter zero. Uh, That... That's uh, the more information about Fleming than I ever needed to know. <laughs> <laughs> the more we read these books, Fleming was a weird guy. <laughs> he wrote a whole novel just about his fantasy of turning a lesbian, and then he wrote a whole novel just to show off how he lost his virginity. I've had sex. I wrote it in a book. <laughs> Here, here's proof. So we, I'm we, telling you. we know if I know all of a sudden he starts writing, hey guys, I've become an author. I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. I've had sex, guys. I wrote in a book. Outside the cinema. Um, I don't know. There's, it, it's This is so ridiculous. This is a James Bond book we're talking about, but there's something charming about it. And mm-hmm. it's just, I can't say I love it, but I have such a soft spot for it. It's so ridiculous. But I do, in a weird way, kind of get into like, oh, what's Vivian going to do next? And she's studying abroad and now she's like going on a road trip and she's one of the more developed Bond girls that we ever got because he talks through her through the whole book. 
But at a certain point, I forget I'm reading a uh, Bond book, and it yeah. kind of feels just like a, a 1950s slice of life sort of. And I'm I'm just starting to get a little invested in Vivian's little road trips and her journeys around the world. Yeah, I'd agree with that completely. I think it's like it's weirdly investing, even though it's kind of pointless. Like it's it's. Yeah. I mean, you could you could read this like the way you've told me, like read these in order, read these in order. Like I mean, again, I don't know if there's any reference to this in any future Bond books, but like I mean, I feel you could just pick this up off the shelf and just read it, and then that's kind of you know you you, you move on with it. So. Um, yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know if you guys like the perspective of Bond from a third person, like from another person talking about Bond, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I do like that perspective. I just don't know if it was really... I like the concept about somebody who meets Bond. And I also really like the concept of an everyday person, who everyday mm. Bond girl who meets Bond. And I, I wish the films would, for once, one time, let's just have a Bond girl be a very everyday yeah like person who gets caught up in this it's always like another spy or a hacker or or whatever uh journalist blah blah or damsel in distress but let's just have this who was just going about a day working at a motel and then suddenly gets caught up in this world of spies that's a great idea for a, a plot and i think you could adapt certain elements of this into a film that's the sad thing that, uh, I mean, the rumor is that Fleming basically said you can have the rights to this novel as long as you don't adapt anything from it, which I don't think, I, I, I find that hard to believe because I don't think that Fleming necessarily had that type of power to say, well, you can have these, you just sell the rights, that's it. You know, you don't have a say in, you didn't have a say in casting or anything else. Uh, but I think ultimately this is just one of these books where there's not much you could adapt into a movie uh, other than obviously the henchmen who are good henchmen in this. I mean, I, I love Slugsy and Horror, is it? Or mm. uh, Sudsy, yeah. Sudsy and Horror? Horror, like that's that. a good name. We could use that. Horror is good. Film. We should have a horror at some point. Um, and uh, yeah, it doesn't translate to a movie and it doesn't translate to the rest of the Bond book series the same way. But what I appreciate about this book, as much as it's hard to say this is a great Bond novel, uh, the first half or first two thirds of it, really, where it has nothing to do with Bond. If you're forgetting I'm reading a Bond novel, you're like, this actually isn't too bad. I don't mind this book. And then when Bond comes in, you're like, oh, now I can judge it as a Bond novel. So it, it's kind of it's complicated to rank it or compare it against the others. But for what it is, it's a lot better than <laughs> it deserves to be. I um, it's it's the writings on the wall of Bond novels, the fact that if it's not a Bond song, it's a fine song. Um, so, like, uh, you two disagree with that because you two have no taste in music because you don't like this song. Well, <laughs> that's a what was that song? <laughs> that was great. Imagine if that was a theme for Die Another Day. Get, get passionate. It's Vivian's National Anthem. Um, that's... Oh, I love that song. What do you mean? I love that song. Uh, let's try uh, that again. I, I prefer the first one. What was you oh. mentioning Viv and that and... Um, oh, you... Slugsy and horror. So, I keep thinking you're saying whore, but it's horror. Um, horror. The you mentioned being uh, oh the, yeah that's the bit I was thinking of. Uh, ben tries to remember his memories. Um, 
it's it, the one that I found a bit jarring when Bond comes into it and she's all like, oh, help me, help me. And they're just having breakfast while they're watching there. I love how James Bond is just like, hi, I'm a spy. This is what I do. This is just what, this is my mission. Uh, don't tell anyone that I'm a spy. Shh, top secret. Like, uh, I mean, pretty shit spy Bond in this book. Do you, either of you think that yes. there was a, I mean, I'm not saying the way that Fleming presents it where Vivian Michelle dropped this manuscript, but do you feel like there was somebody else involved in the writing process here other than Ian Fleming? Girlfriend. There, there is like, isn't that like a conspiracy theory? It's like, ah, uh, I, I mean, when we get to man it. with the golden gun, when we get to man with the golden gun, obviously yeah. there, there's, there's things in the writing style where you're like, okay, there might be more to this, but it, it, it I just, I, I, I find it hard to believe that even to have a cautionary tale, Ian Fleming's like, I'm going to do a story about a teenage girl. I have to think that somebody, he slept with someone, or in order to get some woman into bed, Ian Fleming was like, oh, you want to see a story about Bond and a young girl? Yeah. I don't yeah, know. This is how he turned his lesbians. I, like, I don't know. It still feels like it's Ian Fleming writing this. Like, it's kind of the same style of all the other. I don't know. I don't. I, I like to think Ian Fleming was just, Drunk one night, so fucking, <laughs> fucking sick of this bon asshole teenage girl. Like, I mean, I think about teenage girls enough. I could write half so many books like this. So, what do you, you want to read my fanfic? Well, the the problem with this book is the story that Bond tells about his mission is a hundred times more interesting than what's actually happened. He tells this story about how Toronto. He, it's like he goes to Toronto and it's a follow up to Thunderball, and it's like a guy who defected or something and he's gone to protect the guy and actually when they adapted this into a comic book they dropped all the vivian stuff and they actually used that story as the sort of comic book adaptation oh so there's no um, like pictures of vivian out there i want to see what she looks like there's, no i guess i found one not. there's um an artist oh, i guess one of the covers from i don't know 15 years ago let me see if i can find it i'm gonna look for it Oh, I, got I guess one thing that does work on a first reading of this is because it's told through this lens and it's so different, it does make you sort of get, think like, oh, when's Bond going to come in and how is Bond going to come into this? Because we're, we're here in Europe talking about Vivian losing her virginity. Like, how the hell is James Bond? Then we're in a motel. How is James Bond going to be brought into this? Uh, so it does kind of work as a sort of, suspense in some weird way she's not that attractive in that picture you sent colin i found a more attractive picture of her the the weirdest thing is this picture was done in 2006 but it looks like it was drawn in 1976 well people it does not look like it fits the time period of the novel yeah she looks like um she looks like freaking um tiffany case yeah (laughs) i was gonna say that yeah john is vivian michelle yeah. I have a, an idea that, of how you can adapt this into a film, and I think you make the entirety of this film the pre-title sequence, mm. and you set it in a motel, open, open gun barrel, ball, open on a, a motel at night time, thunderstorm, almost t- turn it into a bit of a horror movie, and you've got Vivian working there. Maybe she can even narrate it, and she she's working, doing her thing, and then Slugsy and Horror break in, and they're attacking Vivian, and then James Bond jumps in, saves the day. Oh, who are you? My name's Bond, James Bond. Maybe it's the first movie of a new actor, and he well, and we have this awesome, elaborate fight with Bond and and Slugsy and Hara and and Bond 
uh, gets with Vivian and then in the morning he leaves and we go into the title sequence and it's just a whole pre-title. Like this could make like a little short film pre-title sequence. Well, I, into I, I know that a when, horror sort of element. When I, uh, like before I had read the novel and I just sort of knew, oh, this is what it's about. Bond comes in at the last minute and saves some woman. Uh, mm -hmm. I thought the spy who loved me pre-title sequence was kind of a throwback to that. And then when I read the book, I'm like, I kind of, as much as I love the spy, she love me pre-title sequence. You could have done everything great about that sequence and just had him with a woman that looked like Vivian Michelle and, you know, uh, tied it into the novel a little bit. Cause there's no reason why the pre-title of spy who loved me couldn't have been this. Do you think like they took influence for Skyfall from like the burning hotel like the burning, I don't know. I just, I like that image of this hotel that's like completely on fire, like a motel in the middle of nowhere I in a forest and a lake. Roadside motel with some henchmen coming for the Bond girl, like that could be adapted. You don't have to adapt the whole yeah, film, just, but that's, that's atmospheric. Yeah. It's like nighttime thunderstorms. Yeah. Look how long it took for them to take elements of the Moonraker novel it's, into that movie. You, you, you know the weird thing we we talk we go back and talk about censoring and all this kind of stuff and and let but like for for somebody who's not a teenage girl maybe this goes into what you two are saying about maybe she he had help but like he does a pretty good job at painting a picture of like pervy oh, yeah. men always coming at her and like you know just assholes and like stuff like that like and what she's got. He was a pervy man. Yeah, well, I mean, he's, he's he's always at the head of it. Like, you do feel for her. Like, you know, the creepy freaking hotel owner who's, like, trying to, like, get in, get in her pants while his wife's just, like, watching. Like, I don't know. Like, I think he does a, a solid job of, of getting that. And for a book, what, written in the 50s, I mean, sexual assault back then was just a Sunday. Like, but they're like, no, this is wrong. I'm Vivian, and I'm going to go into my hotel and listen well, to some song. Vivian is quite a strong yeah, she's bad who goes off. She leaves to Europe on her own. Then she comes and she decides she's just going to do this like road trip around America on her own. Like she's quite mm. a strong, independent character compared to what we have had in the past. And she doesn't have quite as tragic of a backstory as a lot of the other Bond girls. She goes through a lot. Um, so th that can be said for Vivian. And as I said earlier, I'm totally on board for a character like Vivian to be a Bond girl in one of these films, just have an everyday woman get caught up in the world of spies. That would be great, I think. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah. But it's yeah, such a ridiculous is... novel, though. <laughs> when, when we talked about potential Bond spinoffs, if they ever did expand, like on Amazon for TV series and stuff like that, this is something that you could do. It's not going to insult the Bond community to do a Vivian Michelle TV series. Uh, even if you change it from Bond to being 008 or something like that. Uh, this would kind of be fun if they wanted to expand the universe a little bit and make it its own. Because the book was already its own thing. Why not make a TV series? How did they get the movie from this, though? Like, I mean, like, just use the title and that was enough? Like, you know? Yeah. I, which really, that's all they did with Moonraker, too. Yeah. True. And then the, the villain, I guess. Um, rankings. Do we want to rank them? Oh, or we want to, we, yeah, let's... What? Well, what songs do we Let's want? Hear it. Do you want the fifties, like the 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 fifties one, or the normal one? Yeah, let's do the fifties. All right, 50s. so, so uh, we're we doing the kiss, kiss, bang, bang first, or what are we? We just rank. What are we doing here? Well, let's do kiss, kiss, bang, bang. All right, so okay, okay so we want to hear Mr. Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang, Bang. bang. I'm not getting Johnny Cash's Thunderbolt. Maybe. Where are we ranking that now? Other songs. 
Uh, so let's find, I need to scroll through all the short stories because we didn't do them yet. Um, <laughs> so, so Goldfinger, uh, Gold Prick, remember that story that he was going to rename it Gold, Gold Prick? Prick. Gold yeah. Prick. Because we've already talked about it, but a guy who called, was called Goldfinger was going to sue Fleming. And I read earlier today, as part of the settlement, the real-life Goldfinger got six copies of the novel. Oh, six? One on seven? <laughs> uh, to try and sell them, but you might get ghosted. Um, <laughs> little old man on a bike. Ding, ding. <laughs> Goldfinger, Bond, James Bond 1, only two kills in Goldfinger. Um, and two lays and two martinis, so pretty stall round. Uh, Thunderball, Bond, James Bond 2, kills 3, uh, lays is 1, actually, and martinis 4. He's thirsty in Thunderball. Yeah, because he's been in fucking rehab. Yes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> rebound. Uh, Spy Love Me, he's got one Bond, James Bond. He's got two kills, Slimsy and Aura. Uh, one lay, Vivian. But what's the Vivian Viv- bang count? Vivian's bang bang count. Oh, Jesus. Let's get the she's, bang bang count. She's on like three or four. Three. That'd be three. It's that German guy, the guy in the cinema, and Bond. She might take over Bond in any of these novels, the Vivian bang count. <laughs> uh, and no martinis at the motel for Bond. It's bacon um, and eggs. Yeah, and then if we look at the totals, he's said Bond James Bond seven times. He's killed 28, pretty good. Uh, laid 13, but he's a thirsty man in the books. He's had 34 martinis. He's Noah, he's you. <laughs> yeah, uh, I kind of want a martini right now. Hmm. Um, and if we quickly go, we don't have Peter Travers, but if we look at Reader's Digest Canada, uh the spy love me is last. Yeah, well, Canadians see. didn't even like. That. Um, and they said, uh, they said, unfortunately, our narrator Vivian Michelle isn't terribly interesting. A fact made painfully obvious in the first third of the novel, where she's rambling. Um, oh, sexist. So, and then <laughs> readers died, and Goldfinger is actually their third last. Mm. Uh, so uh, they they agree on Goldfinger. I like their number one. And Thunderball is fourth last. So all around, Reader's Digest are pretty on board with what we're saying. All right, so we didn't want to play this for that. Box office. And Peter Travers, he is a stupid idiot. But don't read his stuff. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> You're it's welcome. like the old days. Shall I fall oh. off this chair? All right. So that means we now need. Now we're to... up to. Rankings. Oh, do we? Do, we don't do Hall of Fame in the books, do we? All right. Um, no. So we got Columbia. the one for the ranking, two for the show. Put it all up. Go, go, go! It's ranking. We got a rank, baby. They go that. You got a rank all night, cause you got all the rank. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but we had never say never again. <laughs> now we're on to Casino Royale. It's a 54. Oh, I can't believe we've got Austin Butler to... I was going to say, thank you, Austin Butler, for recording our theme music. Robbed of How many verses are in that song? Know, that's that's longer lot. than I remembered. <laughs> that's what she said. Um, and also what she said... <laughs> 
All right, what have I got? I've got six more times. Shit. All right, we got time. Ben, you you rank. You rank first. I do. I rank a lot because I'm single. Um, that's a masturbation joke, Colin. Um, <laughs> doesn't know what I'm talking about. He's never ranked in his life. Um, uh, 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 so, uh, my top, ah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm freaking eating a cat. Apparently, uh, my top six, <laughs> I keep saying, ah, I'm like freaking Mars attacks aliens. Uh, Colin looks like he needs to go. Is he getting angry? Uh, top six, <laughs> go Colin, piss off. Um, I'm not touching my top six. So all these three are going to be at the bottom of my list. Oh, wow. Really? So at number seven, we have The Spy Who Loved Me. Uh, <laughs> it's just like, it's, I don't know. It's not good, but it's 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 cute. It's there. Vivian and Bond and bacon and eggs. And like, honestly, like, I just kind of, kind of want to read it again. Like, I'm just like, yeah, I'll give it another go. Uh, you, you both thought I was going to rank it at number one. I remember you saying that on that episode. <laughs> Um, I don't think know, we really I, thought that, but we thought a little bit higher than that. Did you think I was going to rank this? Would you rather read Goldfinger or watch? What would you rather? Another day. Hey! <laughs> Good on you. Uh, eight, I have Thunderball, and nine, I have Goldfinger. Ooh. Ooh. Um, so I'm going to be changing. This is changing from my original ranking slightly. Uh, but uh, my top six will change. My top I love five you, number one. However, well, my top five won't change. So I'll still have Casino Royale one, Moonraker two, which was the big jump in uh, the, uh, the previous episode, Dr. No three, From Russia with Love four, Live and Let Die five. Um, I'm going to put uh, The Spy Who Loved Me <laughs> as number six. Above Diamonds Are Forever. Of course, oh, Above of course. Diamonds Are Forever. <laughs> uh, I'm going to put The uh, Thunderball as number seven. Wow. Uh, I'm going to put Goldfinger as number eight. Aww. And then Diamonds Are Forever number nine. Oh, your hatred of that. Words in a sentence. I like I like the Diamonds of Forever book a lot more than the movie. It's just it's it's a little bit tedious. Oh no, Diamonds of Forever is entertaining compared to those three we just read. No. Uh, so I'm also going to keep my top five the same, and oh. I'm also going to put The Spy Love Me at number six. I'm not the uh, one who's put it like wow. I thought I was going to like rip a new one for this. <laughs> The more we've talked about it, I'm like, I kind of want to revisit this book again. Um, so Spy Love Me number six. Uh, you know what? Maybe it's controversial, but let's go Diamonds Are Forever number seven. Yeah, I've got it at six. Uh, Colin, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. And number, number eight, we're going to go Thunderball. And number nine... It's got to be Goldfinger. I I don't have any real strong desire to revisit this one. Wow. You're just looking at our original rankings that we did. Diamonds Are Forever was your second last overall, but so that's taken a jump. And Goldfinger was your eighth overall, so that's taken a bit of a dive here. And Spy Who Loved Me and Thunderball swap places. So wow. Uh, Noah's growing up. He's learning that yeah, racism's I'm not okay, learning. but 
teenage girls are virgin doll. And <laughs> I'm, I'm growing up. I'm learning virginity is cool. But yeah. racism down with racism. Yeah. And I'll get it over and done with. You're welcome. No, Next up, it's probably going to be Universal Soldier. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> but but I'm saying once we finish with the next three novels, we should do an episode just where we do all the short stories as well. Uh, just well, we are going the, to. Oh, we? Where where well, where? Then you get you're getting through it, but we've got only got three more of the main books. Yeah, I assumed do, we, we were. I, the... I assumed we were going to do one on the short stories. Yeah, they don't know Colin, so I think we're definitely doing it. Yeah. Then we are. Good. Uh, <laughs> it's like news to me. We're, we may be doing it. But, but Ben, you're in the home stretch, the final three, and there's some exciting stuff to come. I actually got to say that, like, I was glad that we could do this episode because it kind of feels a bit weird not reading them. And I'm kind of like, I just, I was like, oh, do I just start the next one? I'm like, no, I've got to wait to do the episode. So uh, what are we on? A Majesty Secret Service next, right? Yeah. yeah. I, uh, do you know I anything say- about these next three? I know that on a Majesty's Secret Service, I think he still gets married and she dies because I think we've talked about that. I think the You Only Live Twice, I think, is a really good book because doesn't he get that? I think so. That's the whole pregnancy thing that you try to shove in my face in, in No Time to Die. And then The Man with the Golden Gun apparently is wasn't meant to be a book. It shouldn't have happened. Everything was wrapped up perfectly. This book is shit uh, from what I remember you kind two of. talking about. <laughs> Uh, and is it not written by Fleming or there are rumors that it's not well, written by him? Well, it was published after he died and you can see some differences in the writing style. So maybe he had a hand in it. I don't know. But but I mean, yeah, you have two of the best ones at least coming up next. So um, and and I'm what I'm most curious about is women, whether you kind of will have the same opinion of us that, that as as odd as you only live twice is how great of an ending that could have been to the book series if he had done it right. Um, and then uh, I'm, I'm just putting it out there. After that, I think we do the short stories. <laughs> I don't want to do the short story. We never, we were never going to do that. No, we're doing like all the, uh, the non Fleming novels in all 412. <laughs> I, I don't know about that, but I think we should definitely do Colonel Sun Colonel because Sun, that's yeah. kind of, Fitted in with the Fleming, it's written in the sixties. Isn't that um? Although that I would song? say we, why wouldn't we do uh, Colonel Sun and then the three Anthony Horowitz ones? Yeah, I'd be, be up for that. Program. I don't know if we need to do the Gardeners, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And we we can't do the authorized biography because I'm selling it. Well, in all seriousness, once I've read them, I would actually slowly like to buy all the other ones that are like official Bond novels, but not so. But um, what is that song I'm thinking of? Colonel Sun, oh, begun. It's a black hole, son. Right, wrong, wrong. A black hole, son. <laughs> Colonel Sun, <laughs> won't you come? Won't you come? Chris Cornell, Bond theme. All right, it's official. We're doing R.L. Stein's James Bond Choose Your Own Adventure next. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Bloody racist. Are we, uh, my question is, are we closing the song, which is probably already closing? Are we closing with uh, Under see. the Sea? Are we closing with Black Hole Sun, Colonel Sun? Oh. <laughs> No, it's got to be under the sea. But that is funny that you thought Colonel Sun was Black Hole Sun. We've also got to do our final. Oh, we've got one more script. All right, yes. Because Colin didn't get to have a go. All right. 
So we, oh, we, do we end I, Black Hole? That's funny that he thought Black Hole Sun was Colonel Sun. <laughs> but Under the Sea has got lesbians in it. Well, I think Under the Sea is short, so I can do both maybe. Or I'll open it. I don't know. Somebody heard it. Somebody, you, fucking people listening to this now, they've, they've heard it. Yes, they've heard it. Script. Okay. Um, I'm. Well, you, you guys do the script. I've got approximately three minutes here. Well, you were part of the script, Colin. Well, you how quickly are we going to do this? Three, three minutes. Three minutes. Quick. Go. Uh, okay. Oh, hey, guys. It's great to be back on the show. Yeah, welcome back, Ben. So, what do you have in store for us? Well, I thought we could start with a little bit of music. How about we play Dine of the Day by Madonna? Oh, way, Ben. We can't play that song again. What are you talking about? We play it all the time. It's a classic. Problem, we've played it too many times. Our listeners are sick of it. Well, I don't think so. It's a great song. And I don't see why we should stop playing it just because you're tired of it. It's not just me, Ben. Colin agrees with me, right, Colin? Well, I do think we played it a lot recently. Maybe we could mix it up a bit. I can't believe this. I thought we were a team, but it seems like you're just ganging up on me. It's not about ganging up on you, Ben. It's about making sure our listeners are happy and entertained. Yeah, we just want to make sure we're keeping things fresh and interesting. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I just, that sucks so much. I didn't realize I was playing it too much. <laughs> It's okay, Ben. We understand how much you love that song. We just want to make sure we're keeping things balanced. Yeah, we're all in this together. We'll find it some new music to play that we can all enjoy. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Of course, Ben. We're all friends here. And we want to <laughs> keep it that way. We... Why do we? Why do we even bother unscripted episodes? This is a waste of time. And the ChatGPT never says anything racist or sexist or anything. So why don't we just always use this? Wow. And with that, you are listening to other music, either Under the Sea or Black Hole Sun or some combination of both. <laughs> and we'll be back with the dogs and Universal Soldier one of these days, and more books and whatever else we can think about to do um my name is colin and i too lost my virginity as a teenage girl in canada my name is Nora, and i too am a lesbian swimming under the sea and my name is ben and i'm going to bed right now to watch some lesbians under the sea sponsored by audible Just look at the world around you 
right here on the ocean floor. Such wonderful things around you. What more is you looking for? Under the sea, under the sea. Darling, it's better down where it's wetter. Take it from me. Up on the shore, they work all day. Out in the sun, they slave away. While we be boating full time, you floating under the sea. <laughs> Down you are, the fish is happy. As after the waves they roll, the fish on the land ain't happy. This hot Thursday in the bowl. But fish in the bowl is lucky. They in for a worse fate. One day when the boss get hungry, guess who got beyond the pay? What go under the sea? Under the sea, nobody beat us, fry us, and eat us in fricassee. We what the land folks loves to cook. Under the sea, we after hook up. We got no troubles. Life is the bubbles under the sea. Under the sea, under the sea. Under the sea. Since life is sweet here, we got to be here naturally. Even the sturgeon and the ray, they did the earth start to play. We got the spirit, you got to hear it under the sea. The lute play, the flute, the cap play, the harp, the place play, the bass and the sound, the jump, the bass play, the brass, the chub play, the tub, the flute is the duke of soul. The way he can play the names of the strings, the chub, rocking on the blackfish, he sings the spelt and the sprat, they know where it's at, they know that blowfish blow. Yeah, we in luck here, down in the mud here, under the sea. 